Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Roto World Football Podcast. Hopefully you listened to the companion episode to this one where we discuss the NFC South and NFC West with Evan Silva. Now it's on to the NFC North and NFC East with looking through a fantasy lens. We'll talk about um, that despite a somewhat mediocre or poor 2015 season, why Randall Cobb is the wide receiver to own in the Green Bay Packers offense. Um, and Evan is not too worried about Laquan Treadwell's measurements and athleticism and testing scores during his rookie year with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, Kevin White and the Chicago Bears, why his hype is really high going into 2016. And honestly, while, why I'm a bit nervous considering his average draft position. Um, and Evan believes that a specific, Evan believes that a certain Detroit wide receiver could lead the NFC in receptions this season. Then we'll shift over to the NFC East and talk about Ezekiel Elliott, the number four overall pick this past April and why he might end up as the running back to own the number one running back in fantasy leagues this season as just a rookie. What changes to expect in Philadelphia across the board this season in both tempo and plays and personnel and packages. Um, why Evan loves, absolutely loves, Kirk Cousins this year with the Redskins and all of the weapons that they have on that offense. And finally, Evan and I, not debate, we agree that Odell Beckham is defense and matchup proof. So hopefully you enjoy it. And again, if you missed it, go back, should be in your podcast provider and listen to the NFC South and NFC West episode as well. But here it is. My conversation with Evan Silva. Okay, Evan, we are back. Last time we covered the NFC South, NFC West. This time it's the NFC North and the NFC East. Um, let's start with the Packers, who were kind of a shell of themselves offensively, really after losing Jordy Nelson. Uh, I think that his impact on the offense um, could not be more underrated um, or undersold, I guess is the right way to say that. Um, now he's back. Should we expect major improvements with Randall Cobb in terms of his consistency week to week? Then obviously Nelson back himself healthy this season. Yeah, Randall Cobb is probably my favorite fantasy pick in this offense right now. Um, you know, 
his decline last year, I think, had a lot to do with the way the defenses were playing him. And he's not a guy that can beat like triple coverage. And he, I mean, he seriously saw a triple coverage right. last year. Um, and, you know, Jordy is being drafted as if he's going to come back completely clean and go back to being who he was. And, right you know, a, a legitimate difference maker and anybody that doubted that he was a difference maker can just, you know, before that can, can see what happened last year. He was, he was a difference maker, but are we sure that he's going to come back, um, and be the, the exact same old Jordy? You know, I don't know that for, for sure. I do think that he will command a lot more defensive attention than James Jones and Devonte Adams did. Uh, and that will open up things for Randall Cobb, and they've got a seam-stretching tight end in Jared Cook now who, I mean, we know he's not a great football player, but, you know, he's he's a guy that a defense has to account for right. uh, because he can run. And But if, if Jordy just comes back at 80% of what he was before or, or 70%, I mean, he's an old guy coming off a torn ACL. And I, I think that Cobb could could lead this team in receiving. Um, it, it wasn't so long ago that Ron, Randall Cobb looked like, you know, a one A B to Jordy's one A A in 2014. You remember that season? Randall Cobb was absolutely sensational. Stud. I think, yeah, I think Jordy um, was the number three overall fantasy receiver that year, and uh, Randall Cobb was number six. So Randall Cobb right now goes, I mean, middle third round, and. I would rather take him middle third round than Jordy Nelson uh, middle second round, and that that's where their ADPs are. It's still pretty amazing how young Randall Cobb is. Like I still think yeah. what he's he's twenty five still. Not that that's like a huge piece of this puzzle, but it's it's just amazing to think of because it seems like he's been around for years and years and years. Um, okay, so we we have some projections for Jordy Nelson, optimism for Randall Cobb. What about as that third receiver? Um, Devontae Adams had a horrible, horrible season last year. Everyone is optimistic, let's put it that way, of Jeff Janis. Um, then you have Jared Aberderis, you have Ty Montgomery, yada, yada, yada. Do you think someone at all emerges out of that third receiver slot? Because if someone does, then they'll absolutely see targets in this offense. They will. They will. The Packers go three wide on over 70% of their plays. I mean, they, they need to figure out a way to get Jeff Janis on the field, and I know that he's not polished. They can use him as a low-volume role player to take the top off. The, the dude can run. He's a threat. You know, I mean, you, you don't have to ask him to, to do special things, you know. He, he, he can run and he can play physically. He'll, he'll, get his, he'll get his ass out there and block. He, you know, we, he was awesome uh, as a special teams gunner. He's a physical dude. You know, so even if he's not the most polished receiver, like they should have let him take his lumps last year with Aaron Rodgers. Right. When they weren't really going to win the whole thing. Right. Right. And when they needed him so much and they may need him again, if Jordy doesn't, if Jordy comes back and is running four, six, five, they're going to need a guy that can get out there and and take the top off and, and command a safety on the other side. So other guys can get open and Jeff Janis is, can, can do all that. Uh, I'm trying to think of a you know a, a comparison for a, for a player that that could be utilized like that. I mean, you know, I don't know Terrence well, Williams to some degree. Well, I and, mean, and Torrey he, Smith has been used as purely a vertical threat at times during his his past too. For for sure, and I mean, you, you know, I, I don't. 
I just I want to see Jeff Janis get out there and play because I think it would it, it would be fun. Number one and number two, I think it would be good for the Packers' offense. I'm not writing off Devonte Adams. The dude is 23 years old. Yeah, but I, I think that Jeff Janis would help the offense. I don't think he's going to be a fantasy factor unless Jordy gets hurt and everything breaks right for Jeff Janis this year. But I do think he would help their offense, even if he's a guy who only catches you know 37 balls or you know for for 550 yards. Now, Evan, we have to talk about Eddie Lacy. Not fat Eddie Lacy, P90X Eddie Lacy. Is this going to make a big difference in his 2016 season? Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I I got real fat during uh, the football season last year. Uh-huh. And so I started going to a trainer and I actually lost 60 pounds. Wow. Um, but I talked to my trainer about this and he's like, if Eddie Lacy does P90X throughout the entire offseason, loses a bunch of weight, be careful. Be careful because, you know, he's going to essentially change his body and you don't necessarily want that, you know, especially for a high collision sort of athlete. So, I don't know, take take that for what it's worth. Maybe nothing. But um, I just think he's a boomer bust guy in, in every way. There are certainly scenarios where you where you can imagine where it's just a you know it's a committee with James Starks who was really good in the passing game last year. Pro Football Focus hasn't charged uh, James Starks with a, a, a sack allowed in pass protection since 2011. Wow, that's uh, rare. He had yeah he had an over 80 percent catch rate last year. He's really good on screen plays. I don't know why the Packers do not use more screen plays, especially as a man beating concept. Um, you know, because that, that can, that's a one way to get around man coverage. And, um, James Starks was awesome on screenplays last year. So I think it, it could very easily be a committee. It could also be a situation where Eddie Lacy in his contract year gets himself into shape, you know, scores 12 touchdowns, you know, and just eats. crushes it. Yeah. Eats, eats big time. So I think he's a, truly a boomer bust guy in fantasy. His ADP is right around that second, third round turn. And I think that makes sense. I mean, he's definitely a guy that I'm looking at in that area, but I'm also aware that his bust factor is pro- is pretty high. So let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings, a team that threw very few touchdowns in the air last season. They did take a receiver in round one of the draft in Laquan Treadwell. Not much of a, you know, physical specimen treadwell in terms of size and speed. But I actually do think, Evan, if I can stand the podium here, um, he can be somewhat of a vertical threat. Not necessarily with the speed, but in terms of tracking and going up and getting it. I think that those are elements that people miss out on in terms of these vertical targets. Um, However, I'm not sure how much of a change he's going to have in this offense as a whole in terms of the passing game. Um are you optimistic at all in any of these pieces in the passing game? So I'm not sure how much stock we should put into Laquan Treadwell's combine measurables because first of all, and Zach Whitman has talked about this um, players that are supremely young often don't test as well as players that are, you know, advanced. I mean, uh, Laquan Treadwell was born, I I think in 1995, he wasn't, yet 21 or he had just turned 21 when he was drafted um you know whereas a guy like last year uh, david johnson coming out he's always already 24 right you know um and, and also you remember that brutal injury that laquan oh, treadwell suffered completely shattered his leg so 
are we sure that, you know, a year later that he is at his athletic peak, right? You know, after that injury and at his super, you know, supremely young age, I'm just, I'm not sure how much stock we should put into those combine measurables. He's a, he's a really, really good player. I, mean, I agree. Really, really good. And it yeah. sounded like I, I, I did not agree at the beginning when I was, when I was talking, but I absolutely agree. I think Treadwell's a, a great player and I think he's the type of receiver that this offense lacked in terms of a consistent threat. Um, now I, I will be very interested to see if we can pick apart pieces of this passing offense during the preseason and see what levels he's used in because we know Norv absolutely loves a test downfield. I mean, he loves his five and seven step drops, those things. And I wouldn't say that it's the, at all, the part of Teddy's game that should be focused on. Um, but Stefan Diggs last season, not a first round pick did emerge. Um, should we expect more from a full season as a starter from Diggs, who also has dealt with injuries in his past? Yeah. So the issue here is targets for these guys in fantasy. You know, I, I like, I, I, I'm not putting stock, honestly. I'm not, I'm just, I'm not, I'm going to write off Laquan Treadwell's combine because I, I don't, I, I don't think that it, it it's helpful. Right. I, we, we know he's awesome. We, we know he's awesome. Um, Stefan Diggs, we know he can play in the NFL. I don't, I'll be interested to see what his ceiling is. You know, he's a small guy, uh, but I mean, he, he can make plays. How, how you know, are they, are they going to open this up at all? I mean, there's been some talk that they might. Their O line's a little bit better. They get to go go back and play indoors. Do they do they trust Teddy like that? You know, it's it, it's a really interesting offense to kind of analyze, and I really think it's going to be the be one one where we're just going to have to see if it if it plays out. I mean, they still got Adrian Peterson, exactly. You know. So, and uh, Ryan Boser, uh, who works for, um, who work, works with Paul Charchian, um, good good follow on Twitter, Vikings guy, uh, showed a great stat on Twitter that Adrian Peterson is, uh, you know, uh, 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 not a good shotgun runner, and uh, he is uh, super effective, you know, just taking traditional handoffs, whereas Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, is has been super effective as a shotgun passer so far in his career, and he has not been eff- effective under center. So I don't. It's it's an interesting. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Norv Turner does. It, Norv Turner seems like a coach that is always going to do what what he believes in, regardless of his personnel, and that leads me to believe that Treadwell and Stefan Diggs are not going to be uh, super heavily targeted guys. And Adrian Peterson is going to remain the focal point of this offense. And that they're, they're not going to really try to open it up until Adrian Peterson moves on. Those five and seven step drops are so dangerous with Matt Khalil as your left tackle, because I mean, he really is. And I love Matt Khalil coming out of USC, but he just lets guys run right around him far too often without even getting hands on him. And hopefully this last year with him in Minnesota. Um, okay. Uh, let's move to another team that looks drastically different on the offensive side of the ball in terms of the passing game, the Detroit Lions. Calvin Johnson, no longer with the team, obviously retired. Um, They brought in Marvin Jones to a big contract from the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, But to me, this all points again to Golden Tate, who consistently is kind of flying under the radar, in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong, but doesn't really get the credit he's due in terms of converting the targets that are thrown his way. Um, running after the catch, going up and getting him for a size. He kind of does it all and has been doing it for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to lead the NFC in receptions this year. Wow. 
I mean, I, I think that Antonio Brown is the heavy favorite to lead the NFL, but I think that Golden Tate might lead the the NFC in receptions. I mean, I think he'd he'd probably be my pick if the see if, if I had to make a pick right now. Um, the defense is, it doesn't look great. You know, they they play indoors. Matthew Stafford, to me, and maybe you know maybe this is a narrative that I've kind of created just from watching Matthew Stafford, but. It seems to me like he decides who he's going to throw the ball to, uh, you know, when when he, when he's clapping his hands coming out of the huddle, you know, that he's not like a, a, a refined, subtle nuance, you know, uh, quarterback who goes through his progression reads and he's a pre snap you know, passer, not a post snap passer. Right, right, and that kind of shows up in the statistics, like when. When uh, when Calvin Johnson has been out, he just goes immediately to Golden Tate, and Golden Tate has just completely destroyed whenever Calvin Johnson has been injured or uh, used utilized as a decoy or just didn't have a big impact on the game. Like you can go to my Lions team preview and look at Golden Tate's stat lines from from those sort of games, and I mean he just. I mean, they're, they're a little bit cherry picked, but he, he has, you know, that, that's, that's how I see Matthew Stafford. And, and, and so I think that 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 will lead to Golden Tate having a monster season. Um, I, I still do like Marvin Jones though. Um, if you look at the makeup of the Lions receiver core, the pass catcher core, you have Eric Ebron, who's, who's, I think his, his arrow is pointing up, but he is still a little bit of an enigma and he's never been a touchdown scorer. I mean, going back to North Carolina, I want to say he had like four touchdowns his final season at UNC. And he's not, I mean, he's not a six foot six, 270 pound tight end. I mean, he's six foot, I want to say he was six foot two, 255 at the combine, something like and, that. And one of the more overrated yeah. prospects I can remember in recent memory, honestly, but. All right. F- fair enough. And Golden Tate has, I mean, I think his career high for touchdowns is like seven or eight at most. It might only be seven. So I think Marvin Jones, like it shouldn't surprise anybody if he scores nine or 10 touchdowns this year. Yeah. Uh, I want to done on... it before he, he did it in 2013. Yeah. And, I want to hit on a few other players on this team, too, um, namely the backfield. Amir Abdullah was a second-round pick last year, was about to be picked by the Arizona Cardinals before the Lions jumped in there. Um, after a ridiculous preseason, he put on a snoozed fest almost during the season. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think he is kind of the poster boy of, hey, let's pump the brakes sometimes on these preseason performances um, and, right. and, and see what happens in the regular season. But – um, I, I still think Amir Abdullah is an outstanding prospect. I think Me he's too. a very talented player. I think that he does have fumble issues and that uh, with certain coaches can really aggravate them and land you on the bench. But I'm excited for, a, again, theoretically this offensive line to be improved with some added draft picks, um, that he can get his shot. Um, but then you have Theo Riddick, who's absolutely going to see plenty and plenty of snaps Maybe not as much of a ball carrier, but absolutely as a receiver and in certain packages. I don't want any part of this backfield, and um, wow. I, I don't like it when, when people say that. Usually when I hear people say that, um, but I, I really don't want any part of this backfield because you have Amir Abdullah, who I agree with you is a better prospect. I mean, he, he averaged over four yards per carry in the NFL's worst rushing offense last year. I mean, we, we know that he has big playability. But he's, I don't think he's ever going to be a red zone back, you know, who, that scores a lot of touchdowns. And you have Theo Riddick there to siphon away targets. So how is, right. you know, 
I, I don't want my fantasy running back running between the twenties and then, you know, getting me empty yards, you know, 15 carries for 75 yards. Like that's a good real life day in, in, in you know, in the NFL, but that, that does not help you at all in fantasy football. And even where Amir Abdullah goes, which he often falls to the eighth round. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not getting him. Um, but I agree with you that he's, I mean, I, I still think he's a baller for, for sure. And I, I don't think he played badly as a rookie by any means. Uh, he just wasn't good in fantasy. Yeah. Um, Theoretic, I think, is a trap. Uh, I know he caught a lot of passes last season, but a lot of that had to do with the way that the Lions had to shape their offense because they could not protect Matthew Stafford. So they dialed up a ton of quick hitters. I mean, that was their offense. It was, it was a quick hitting passing offense. And, you know, they, they didn't have much of a running game. And that was essentially their running game was little quick hitters to Theo Riddick and, and Golden Tate. And uh, Theo Riddick caught a, an absurd amount of passes. He led all NFL running backs and receptions. And I think that their protection is going to be better this year. And um, I don't I, you know, I don't I don't want Theo Riddick, Theo Riddick either. And I think their big back will probably be Zach Zenner. I expect yeah. him to beat out. um Stephen Ridley and Dwayne Washington, the project out of uh, the athletic project out of uh, Washington. Um, but, uh, I don't, you know, Zach Zenner isn't going to get enough touches, I don't think. So but, the, but back, the backfield's DFS. a nightmare. But preseason DFS, we're all oh, Zach yes. Zenner. Oh, yes. It's, Josh, don't even say his name. Every, say his name. every week, Zach Zenner yeah. um, to the bank. Okay, let's, let's finish up the <laughs> NFC North uh, with Chicago Bears. Um, basically have another first round pick on offense this year since Kevin White did not play as a rookie last year. Oh, I mean, I think this is kind of split down the middle. Like some people are extremely optimistic about this offense with Alshon Jeffrey, especially with Jeremy Langford getting potentially full-time work. Um, but on the other hand, me, I'm, I'm not as optimistic about Jeremy Langford as a player in general. Um, and think that this is going to be more of a timeshare than people are saying or people are leading on to. Um, where do you stand on the entire Bears offense? So it's a really interesting offense to, to kind of – because what we got last year is – I don't think is representative of what is going to happen this year because Kevin White didn't play. Alshon Jeffrey played in, I believe, seven or nine games – and he was awesome in those seven or nine games, but he missed half the season. Eddie Royal, they gave a good contract to, I think, three years and $14 million. He barely played. Marcus Wilson got hurt. You know, um, it was the first year of a new offense. They ran the ball and pl- tried to play ball control. And, you know, now they have a lot of weapons. They have a lot of weapons. Zach Miller emerged. Uh, he's always been a good athlete. I mean, he played quarterback in college. Kevin White, who, you know, he was he looked like Ter- Terrell Owens at West Virginia. Right. Uh, just a ferocious, ferocious player. And uh, Alshon Jeffrey is, you know, as good as almost any receiver in, in football. So are they going to open things up? You know, now now their OC is uh, Dowell Loggins, who is Jay Cutler's boy from 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 long ago. And um, I don't know. It, it, it'll be it, it's. You know, in terms of just valuing the guys, I mean, I think that Alshon Jeffrey is a a great second round pick in fantasy. He's a guy that I would definitely take over Mike Evans, uh, who who we we discussed earlier. Um, And then um, 
who's the uh, oh uh, Ke- Kevin White? You know he goes like sixth, seventh round usually. I just had JJ on the JJ Zacharyson. That on seems the super rich, but maybe I'm wrong. All right, fair enough. I don't. I don't. I mean, he's he's so talented, man. He is. He's, Here, I, I've been a, taking him a good amount. J, JJ was like, this is one guy I'm not drafting at all this year. Right. Here's the, the thing. Here's the thing with Kevin White, and and maybe I'm not going to say this injury helped him, but mm-hmm. in terms of his development, he had a long way to go because at West Virginia, he only played on one side of the field. Um, mm. He only had a certain number of routes. And I'm not saying you have to run a full route tree, but really what they made him do, because coming out of junior college and maybe why he emerged so late is because he was able to master and become an expert in this small sample of routes on only one side of the field. So he, he, he was allowed to um, just become so proficient at getting off the line and against those certain types of coverages or, or press corners, anything like that. His release was, was good just on that side of the field though. So in terms of working in other spots and different alignments, it's different footwork. It's, it's, it's a different understanding. And I don't, we don't know if he's done better in that area. So again, preseason hopefully will tell us something, but what if it doesn't, what if he's still just a mystery heading into the season? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm with you. Like, I, I loved him coming out of college, but there are absolutely questions to me that we still don't have answered. And this is his, I guess, second year in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. But before the season, I went back and looked at all the because we have two of these types of guys in, in him and Brashad Perryman, right. you know, er, really early draft picks who, uh, you know, missed their entire rookie season. And one of the first things I did when I started my offseason analysis was I went to pro football reference and I went back and looked at uh, early round receivers, I think first through third round guys who had missed their entire rookie season. And the results of those receivers, not good. You know, uh, Robert Ferguson, I think, was the best one. Uh, he was like a number two slash number three receiver for the Packers with with Brett Favre and um, the, the results have been horrible, but I, I, I just keep thinking back to Kevin White at college, man. And oh, I love so him. Good. And, 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 and then I think that he's going to have a stable role in an offense that might open up a little bit. And uh, if, uh, if Alshon Jeffrey gets hurt, then Kevin White, you know, he, he crushes his ADP. So that's how I've been looking at Kevin White. But I, I understand the other argument. So if you had to choose between... And this is just a random question. Kevin White and Brashad Perryman this year. You absolutely choose Kevin White. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm not dealing with Brashad Perryman this year. Um, okay, let's move on now to the NFC East. Um, who to start with? I guess the Cowboys. I guess the Cowboys. I mean, you take Ezekiel Elliott, a running back in the top five. There's talk of 300 carries during his rookie season. Um are you comfortable taking this guy in the first round? I mean, obviously that's where he's going. But, I mean, you talk about questions of not knowing a player from college to the NFL. Again, we think he's supremely talented. But that's a lot to invest in a player in just his first season. So there are seven wide receivers that I'm willing to take at the top of the first round. Okay. And then I'm starting to look at Ezekiel Elliott. And I know that – As the number one back. Yeah, and 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 that, and I know that that sounds aggressive, and you know, uh, I went on Chris Harris's uh, at Harris Football. He used to work for ESPN. Um, I went on his podcast, and he's like, "You're going to regret that. You know, you're going to regret that." And um, but you're going for you know, it. I, I understand. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. 
I look at the running back field and it's like David Johnson has seven career starts. You know, I, there's a beat writer saying that he might not even start for his own team. I mean, I, again, I think that's silly. And David Johnson is my number two RB in fantasy, but um, I think there are question marks on him. I think there are question marks on Le'Veon Bell, who's coming coming back from two uh, MCL, you know, or two uh, knee ligament tears, had a knee ligament injury the year before that. Uh, Jamal Charles, 29 years old, coming back from uh, torn ACL. You know, Devonta Freeman could lose some work to Tevin Coleman. I still think he's a safe pick, but you know, not not number one running back. And I th- and, and I think that uh, Devon that um. Ezekiel Elliott can can be the number one fantasy running back. Mm-hmm. I, I I really do. You 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 had an, an elite rushing offense, a top five rushing offense last year with in in a terrible rushing environment because they had Kellen Moore at quarterback. Um, you have Tony Romo coming back. You have Des Bryant. You have uh, a defense that they're gonna they're gonna try to hide again. You know it's gonna be just like 2014. Their approach is we'll see whether they're able to. Uh, execute that you have the fact that Tony Romo is in a small window I mean the the Cowboys speak openly of this they they thought that the the best way to maximize this window was to use the number four overall pick on a running back I don't think they're going to ease in Ezekiel Elliott and plus you have Darren McFadden breaking his elbow and he's questionable for week one so Ezekiel Elliott is going to get all the first team reps that he can handle in training camp I think he's awesome I don't think he's as talented a runner as Todd Gurley, you know, maybe not as uh, laterally explosive. I don't think maybe not quite as powerful, but a more complete back. And I, and he runs behind the best offensive line in football. I mean, you know, so here's, for, here's, here's so a narrative. He's a rookie, Josh. So right. rookie Josh. And I can't come up with any other negatives except for that. He's a rookie. Yep. No, I'm, I'm with you. And at some point, like if you want to win your league and I know Evan, you, you, play to win every single league you have to take some chances and if you think he's going to end up as the top running back or has a strong chance of it and has the opportunity to do so I don't see the negative in it and and here's a narrative I'm going to push Evan Um, we know that the Cowboys defense is without their top two pass rushers for at least the first four weeks of the season right? right in those first four weeks they play the Giants the Redskins the Bears and the 49ers hey I think they're going to run the ball a lot during those first four weeks of the season. Let the clock churn, try to get it up on the scoreboard, those types of things. So, yes, you're going to see a ton of Zico Elliott, and if Darren McFadden's out too, then maybe you'll see some Alfred Morris, but some people question if he's even going to be on the roster. Um, so Elliott is, I, I, is your I, guy. I think he'll be on the roster. I, one, one, one other uh, positive point in, in, in Ezekiel Elliott's favor, and you can you know, leave or, or take strength of schedule analysis – before the season, but we had Warren Sharp, who's really good with this kind of stuff uh, and really good at, I mean, he, he works with guys in Vegas that, that win a lot of money. Um, he went through and assessed strength of schedule and the Cowboys have the easiest strengths of, of schedule in the en- entire NFL. Yeah. And if that works out, then they're going to have positive game flow all the time. And Ezekiel Elliott is just going to get fed the rock. And you just mentioned their first four games, like, we will. I will know in that window whether or not having Ezekiel Elliott as, a, as your number one running back is going to look stupid because that's a that's a cupcake schedule right, right. there. Though those teams that you just you just uh, and, named. In terms of a blocker at the running back position, I don't think we've seen a better one come out of college in a long time since Ezekiel Elliott, and so that's going to let him stay on the field. Um, is there anything else to say about this offense? I mean, you have Des Bryant. 
I mean, it, does a second wide receiver even matter in this offense? And then you have Mr. Dad Runner himself, uh, trademark. I don't know who I'm stealing that from, um, and Jason Witten. But yeah, I mean, I think there are values on all the all these guys. You know, if if the Cowboys end up not being able to hide their defense like they were able to in 2014, then I think think uh, Romo becomes a little bit more interesting. I think that uh, uh, Terrence Williams becomes a little interesting and in bet in best ball just because he costs nothing. And I mean, he has some big playability. He has some red zone skills. He's six foot two, two ten. You know, he's averaged yeah. over 16 yards per catch in his career, and he's you know, he, he's not a bum. He's a starting receiver. If they end up throwing the ball a little bit more Bryce than expected. That, yeah. I mean, you know, he's a vertical streaker. He's always really good in the preseason. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love Dez too. Right. I, I love Dez too. Um, you know, he's, he's going to score touchdowns for sure. Um, let's move on to the New York giants. Um, this is an offense that added Sterling Shepard in the draft. Um, someone that really is, is, should be called consistency because he's so good at multiple levels of the field outside and inside. Um, but then you have Odell. Do you think that it's in the realm of possibility? Absolutely. In my opinion, that Odell finishes as wide receiver one and yeah. should he be drafted as such? Well, he's my wide receiver two behind Antonio Brown. But, you know, if Antonio Brown misses two games or something like that, then Odell Beckham's right in the mix there with Julio and A.J. Green. I mean, that's that, that's the that's the four receivers that I have uh, atop everyone. And then I have Dez, Allen Robinson, and DeAndre Hopkins rounding out that, that big seven for me. And then I'm starting to look at a few running backs. So let me ask you this. is it Has it helped Odell's projection that – they at least want to invest in a receiver opposite him to take some of the pressure off of him in terms of defenses and coverages and and a focus of the back half of the defense. I don't really think that's how the NFL works. I mean, I think the NFL works like they're scared to death of Odell Beckham. And I know, but I, I – no, I know. <laughs> I mean, but sometimes people say that, right. that kind of thing, and I just – I don't really buy it, yeah. you know? Because Odell can um, do it on his own. They, they, no, 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 no. It be, because it's not like because the Giants got Sterling Shepard, now you know the, the the defense has to focus on Sterling Shepard. The defense is still going to be focused on Odell Beckham. Right. That, and that, that's right. what I meant. That's what I meant was yeah. that he is still going to produce even if he still does have all the focus like he has in the past. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, he's he's a uh, he's you know I don't he's Chris Wesson. Once called him the Michael Jordan. Um, he's like a Michael Jordan type talent. I don't know. You know that that obviously is hyperbole, but um, he's he he's he's young Steve Smith talent. Absolutely. Like they, they right. play I mean, the game very similarly. He's 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 incredible, and he can beat double coverage. And they and it's not like the I mean the offense gets to scheme too. You know the offense can right. can scheme the rock to a great player, and that's what Ben McAdoo does. And um, yeah, I mean, Odell Beckham is awesome. And the question is, how many balls is Sterling Shepard going to catch this season? Because his competition doesn't look very stiff. Yeah. You know, Victor Cruz is, he's a, you know, he, he's, always, he's always hurt at this point. He, you know, he had that ruptured patellar tendon. And then the tight end job, I don't know who's going to emerge from that. I like Will Ty a lot, but they, I think they like Larry Donnell 
as well. And then they use a six round pick on Jarrell Adams out of South Carolina. Not that he's going to start, but I mean, they just have a lot of options at tight end right now. And it's hard to say for sure who the guy is going to be. My guess is Will Ty, but we'll see. Should there be any optimism about this backfield of Rashad Jennings, terrible Andre Williams, um, Shane Vereen, and then you add someone who can fill a pass catching role in Paul Perkins as well? Do you think that Paul Perkins is only a pass catching RB? Um, so I would say that some of the highlights that he put together in terms of making people miss in the hole at UCLA was ridiculous. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, turn on that Stanford game if you want to watch one specifically, and it's it's really fun to watch. Now, I know a lot of people, because Devontae Freeman was kind of a, a trendy name last year, uh, made the comparison between Paul Perkins and Devontae Freeman. I don't see that at all. Um, I, I think, okay. I, I think Freeman is much more explosive than Paul Perkins is. Um, but in terms of someone like, like we talked about in the last podcast with Freeman early on being used as a pass catcher and maybe not even filling, fulfilling that role to the capacity that his team wanted him to early on in his career, I think we'll see much of the same with Paul Perkins early on in his career. Okay. So I like, uh, Rashad Jennings actually. And, you know, I think it's becoming pretty clear that he's going to be the lead back. He, he really excelled in that role when they finally committed to him late last season. He's old and he might get hurt, but he's a good, he's a good back and he can play in all three phases. And if they cut Andre Williams, you know, fingers crossed, (laughs) then who's going to get the goal line work, right? That's going to be Rashad Jennings, you know? Um, I, you know, his PPR upside is limited, you know, because of Shane Vereen, et cetera. You know, he's not going to win you your league for you necessarily, but as a guy that you can get in the ninth through 11th rounds and might get 15 plus touches a game in uh, at least an above average offense, you know, Rashad Jennings certainly has value. Um, two more teams. Let's go with the Washington Redskins. Um, another team that added a wide receiver in Josh Doxson. However, I'll be fascinated to see how they use all four of these receivers if they all stay healthy. Um, because Jamison Crowder, has, I guess, is locked up the slot spot because he's kind of limited to that. Um, who are you most optimistic about based on their ADP? I know that's a loaded question. Of these three or four receivers with Josh Doxson, Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, and Jamison Crowder. You know who I like is Kirk Cousins. Aha. Good answer. I, I think that makes sense, especially when you add on Jordan Reed to that receiving core. Yeah. Although I do think that Jordan Reed is being a little underdrafted right now. Underdrafted? Uh, yeah, because he's he goes like third, fourth round turn. I mean, this this guy, you know, whereas where Gronkowski's, awesome. Gronkowski's a top 15 pick, but Jordan Reed goes third, fourth round turn. Yeah. You know, and, and Jordan Reed outscored uh, – Rob Gronkowski on a per game basis in, in PPR last year. And I mean, I, I don't know that Jordan Reed is going to score 12 touchdowns again. He, you know, that that's, that's tough to do, but he's, he's a guy that, I mean, I, I think he's still going to be the focal point of their, I mean, their other guys are role players. Really Deshaun Jackson is a, is a difference maker, but he's, He's a role player, especially for a quarterback with the skill set of, of Kirk Cousins. Right. Um, Jamison Crowder is role a role player. player. Absolutely. Pierre Garcon is old and a role player. Dang. So I think that Jordan Reed is, you know, you're the centerpiece of their passing offense. And I don't know how good their running game is going to be. 
Yeah, well, know? let's get into that yeah. because um, Matt Jones, I think obviously this coaching staff loved him last year. And yeah, they were, and they were, but give us, give us your college evaluation of Matt Jones. Yeah. I mean, I thought Matt Jones on the field was kind of a slow plotter who actually surprisingly probably did his best work as a pass catching bat or, or a third down back. Um, he, he's an interesting one to, to figure out because I, his game and his body type kind of go against each other. Um, did I expect him to have as much of an impact as he did early on? No, but I do think that some of the questions that many of us had about him kind of showed up last year as well. But I mean, the opportunity is there for him to take. Absolutely. Yeah. They want him to take this job so badly. I mean, they, the, the most investment that they had was Keith Marshall, who, I mean, I think they were all. I think we're all intrigued by him. You know, he had the best uh, football outsider speed score of any player ever recorded. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And Keith Marshall, uh, I mean, not, not again, yeah. to get into narratives here, but he's someone that um, came into school with Todd Gurley and was supposed to be like a, a thunder and lightning type approach. And he was awesome during his early portions. And he was actually really good last year. Right. He was good last year. He just had to share the backfield with Nick Chubb before Nick Chubb got injured. Sonny Michelle before Michelle got injured. Um, but Marshall looked explosive last year, went on the field, and when given a lane, just wasn't allowed very much because that offense just was not good overall. Well, he ran four three one at 219 pounds, yeah. which is more impressive than, you know, Chris Johnson, 428 or whatever at uh, – it wasn't 428. I can't remember what it was. 426 or but, something like that. For, yeah, 42-whatever, 424 at, um, at, you know, 198 pounds or, or – you know, whatever it, he, the best speed score recorded in history, it's, but it's density, he, but he, he's already hurt. I mean, he missed OTAs yeah. with a hamstring injury and he may not even make the team. I mean, they, you know, a bunch of beat writers do their projected 53 man rosters and a bunch of the Redskins beat writers didn't even have Keith Marshall right. on the roster. So, and it wasn't Matt just Jones, one injury for Keith Marshall during college either. Like it was for Todd Gurley or some, it was almost every single year he had an injury and it was something, it wasn't just a knee. It was sometimes hamstrings, so on and so forth. So yeah, maybe he could use a year off either way. The opportunity is enormous for Matt Jones, who, like you said, I mean, he, he did his best work really as a rookie in the passing game. He made some splash plays as a receiver, some screens. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, in, in an offense that I think is going to be good and have a lot of scoring opportunities, um, he is a very intriguing guy. Even though I'm with you on his talent, like he's he's got he's got a lot of flaws. I mean, you know, with the fumbles, but I don't know if he's very good as yeah. a runner. But opportunity, you know? opportunity is there. Um, uh, opportunity is there, and that that is the key to you know always take opportunity first. Right. Um. I do want to say one thing because someone who's really forgotten about, and it's because of injury last year, Niles Paul, who was ahead of Jordan Reed on the depth chart last year, correct? Heading into the season, got a contract, all this kind of stuff. Should we just not expect anything from him? Like, cause we just don't know what he's going to bring. But if we just look back 365 days ago, there was a ton of optimism about Niles Paul. Yeah, because he's good. Yeah, you know, he's always been good. You remember he played wide out and returned punts in Nebraska. Right, absolutely. Yeah, and he, um, I mean, it's just another reason to draft Kirk Cousins. Like if Jordan Reed gets hurt, you know they they got Niles Paul, who's pretty damn good. Right, right. You have your fill in right there. Um, okay, let's let's finish up with the Philadelphia Eagles. 
it's going to be a whole kind of not different offense, but maybe different tempo is the best way to put it here. Um, I guess the place to start is Jordan Matthews off of a terribly disappointing sophomore season last year, now in his third year. Um, should still man the slot. To me, that's where he's, his best fit is. But with not as many targets, likely, not as much tempo this season, Jordan Matthews won't be picked nearly as high as he was last year, right? Uh, I mean, people still are, are on to him. I, his ADP, honestly, has not maybe moved down a round. Yeah. But he goes in the same range. I think he was a eh, maybe a fourth to fifth round pick last year. Um, and this year he's going like fifth to six, which isn't enough of a drop off for me. I mean, the, the, the Eagles did determine basically right when they started OTAs that they're not going to move Jordan Matthews outside, that he's going to be a slot receiver in the new offense. They're going to play super, super slow. Uh, their quarterback play is still an issue. It's just, it's not going to be a very good offense. It's not going to be a very good offense. I really don't want anybody in this, this offense, offense. Except, except for maybe Ryan Matthews. But even he, he doesn't get me that excited because I think they might try to incorporate other backs. Um, I think they definitely will try to incorporate other backs. I don't think they're going to score a lot. They're going to play slow. The you know the Eagles under Chip Kelly finished like first and third in, in offensive plays the past two years. And uh, Doug Peterson's KC offenses were like 29th and 31st. You know, they're, they're going to be – there's not going to be much fantasy goodness in this offense. Uh, Ryan Matthews does make some sense as a six-round pick, I think, but I, I don't think he, he offers as much as much upside as I don't know. It's some it's sometimes billed to be. And uh, Nelson Aguilar like is in legal hot water, right? You know, um, Ruben Randall. Uh, you know, you can't quit it. I, I, I got a, I got a soft spot. <laughs> you can't there. quit it, man. It's been like this for three or four years, it seems. <laughs> What about Zach Ertz? No, no. And I, and, I, and I do like Zach Ertz as a player. I mean, I think he's a good good NFL receiving tight end. He's become a pretty good blocker, too. That used to be a deficiency of his. Um, but he's never scored touchdowns, you know, dating back to uh, dating back to Stanford. He's like a between-the-20s athletic, seam-stretching tight end. You know, he's not Gronk, who's going to you know out-physical you in the red zone. He's not... Um, Tyler Eifert, who's going to go up in high point and, you know, score 13 touchdowns, you know, Zach Ertz never scores touchdowns, even dating back to Stanford. And I really don't want any part of a tight end that isn't going to score touchdowns, honestly. Um, Evan, I'll bet you that Chris Givens outscores Ruben Randall this year. Oh, I will take that bet a hundred times out of a hundred. Okay, let's do it. Um, All right. So, okay, let's finish this out again with one name that people that listening to this, who are listening to this, can look back and say that Evan was more optimistic about this season than people are giving credit for. Oh man, I, I got to think about this. That's fine. Take your time. So Jarek McKinnon, I think you can tell a good story about him, but you can also tell a bad story about him. That's, so that's I'm the confidence the I like sto- to hear. <laughs> I'm going to tell a story about him first. Adrian Peterson will be 31 and a half when the season starts. He doesn't catch passes late in the season. Uh, Jared McKinnon took on a bigger role and he had some awesome games down the stretch for the Vikings, uh, making plays both as a runner and receiver. We know he's a spark. You know, I don't know what, what's above freak. freak. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I try to do the alliteration and go with like spark stud or 
Spark uh, star. Too boring. Too bar. Too boring. Yeah. Um, no, but he's just you know a spark freakazoid all star. And so um, just combine all of them into one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, but but so so he's a, a sexy you know pick like late in drafts. Just call and, him sexy I, spark or something like that. Yeah, sexy spark. There you go. And um, he, but. Do you remember what happened when Adrian Peterson missed the season in 2014? Yeah, the ass man, Matt Asiata. Yeah, and he's still hanging around. He's still <laughs> hanging around. <laughs> he's got like an eight foot nine broad jump, Matt Asiata, <laughs> which is like uh, it's almost you know, like, like as tall as you if you like laid down. He couldn't, you know. Jeff o- Jeff Ota had a better uh, broad jump. <laughs> You know, I, I'm not so sure that Jarek McKinnon is is uh, is a lock to take over, like as the Vikings' feature back in the event that Adrian Peterson gets hurt. You know, it's just I don't know. It, it's an interesting thing to kind of look at both sides of a guy that a lot of people have you know excitement about, but right. is that excitement really warranted? I think it's a legitimate question. Um, I'll end with Wendell Smallwood, um, the new okay. rookie back of the Eagles. Um, not saying he's going to get consistent touches, but. I think he has a chance to be the best big play threat in that offense, like regardless wow. of position. Um, I mean, that that's what his role was at West Virginia um, in terms of finding some open space, getting out in the open field, and really making things happen once, um, getting to the second level and the third level, so on and so forth. So um, I think in his limited touches, maybe Wendell Smallwood can have a couple of pretty fun weeks because um, that offense definitely needs a spark at times. Um, cool, Evan. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you. As always, thank you so much for listening. Um, go back and listen to the NFC South and NFC West episode if you have not. And if you missed the AFC ones as well, we covered every AFC roster through a fantasy lens. You can check us out on Stitcher, on Audio Boom, on Google Play, on Spotify, and especially on iTunes. And if you Please just be so kind. Take a minute out of your day and rate and review the podcast. It helps me out. It helps our producer, Tess Quinlan, out. Makes her not yell at me and get upset at me and all that kind of stuff. And I really need that in my life right now. <laughs> um, like I mentioned in the other episode, um, I will be gone next week. Um, I'll be on vacation. That's a new word. Um, and Roto Pat and Ray Summerlin will hold down the fort. So until then... Talk to you next time and get excited for preseason because Evan and I are and we'll be pumping out multiple podcasts during that span once I return. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.